0: It's 6 p.m., and you are tuned to your community radio station. KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Tonight, in the ongoing coverage of the Derek Chauvin trial, racial reckoning covers Judge Cahill's denial of the defense's motion to acquit the former police officer. The California Report explains how our state could join five others by permanently sending all voters a ballot in the mail for every election. We'll look at regional headlines and local weather before listening to Hospitality House's Needs of the Week and Bravehearts. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk.
1: This is Racial Reckoning, the Arc of Justice. Here's Georgia Fort with today's update.
2: A request to acquit Derek Chauvin was denied Wednesday morning by Judge K. Hill.
3: The court's duty at this point is to uh, look at uh, the evidence in a light most favorable to the state. Based on that standard, uh, the motion for judgment acquittal is
2: denied. K. Hill says he expects the trial to wrap up in less than a week, telling jurors they should expect closing arguments on Monday. The decision to not acquit Derek Chauvin comes just three days after another unarmed black man was killed by police. Prosecutors charged former Brooklyn Center Police Officer Kimberly Potter Wednesday with second-degree manslaughter. Jelani Hussein, the director of Care Minnesota, said it's not enough.
0: What happened to Dante Wright wasn't an accident. What happened to Dante Wright was murder. We are tired of this justice system, a system that works for white people. And a system that does not work for people of
4: color.
2: The recent shooting of Dante Wright in combination with the ongoing trial have created a renewed sense of urgency for lawmakers. John Thompson, a friend of Philando Castile and now House Representative, pushed to suspend normal duties until substantial legislation on police accountability is adopted.
1: So I'm asking this, this whole body to take a ball move and end all budget negotiations until they say Black Lives Matter here in this state. We have bills that haven't being, even being heard in the Senate, bills that would change the trajectory of our communities.
2: As protests continue, curfews are being determined city by city and assessed day by day. For the Racial Reckoning Project, I'm Georgia Fort.
1: Racial Reckoning, the Arc of Justice is produced and supported by Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities in partnership with KMLJ Radio and the Minnesota Humanities Center, online at racialreckoningmn.org.
3: This is the California report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. It's a day millions of Californians have been waiting for, as anyone who's 16 and older is now eligible for COVID-19 vaccination. But the news comes as federal officials have called for a pause in the use of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine out of an abundance of caution. That, as the FDA and CDC investigate six cases of blood clotting in women who had just been vaccinated. Dr. Grace Lee is a professor of pediatrics at Stanford University and is also on the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices that's offering guidance on the J and J vaccine.
5: What we just have to do is work with what we have right now, move it forward. And you know, the role of ACIP is to review all of the data and make the best evidence based decision possible.
3: The CDC panel says it needs more time to analyze the data surrounding these cases of blood clots. Health officials say because such a small percentage of Californians have gotten the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the pause in its use shouldn't severely affect vaccination efforts in the state. Restaurants in a dozen California counties have filed class action lawsuits seeking refunds for pandemic-era business permits, licensing fees, and late charges. Here's KQED's Rachel Myro with more.
6: Restaurants have struggled to stay open or at least partially open amid a series of shutdown orders for more than a year now. But still, the fees from county and state agencies keep coming, adding up to tens of thousands of dollars depending on the establishment. Brian Kabatak, the L.A.-based plaintiff's attorney, says these restaurants aren't questioning the shutdown orders.
3: All we're saying is that that period of time that the restaurant couldn't operate or couldn't completely operate, they should get a portion of their permit fees back. It's just fundamentally fair.
6: Cabotac says he's in talks with a couple of counties, but other county councils, like the one for Santa Clara County, call the suit meritless, arguing health inspections have continued during the pandemic. Also, Santa Clara County has just enacted a fee relief measure. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro.
3: During this pandemic, lots of Americans have been kept afloat financially with the help of stimulus payments from the federal government, like the most recent one for $1,400. Just about every adult with a social security number who earns less than $75,000 a year qualifies for the stimulus. But for California's homeless who don't have a fixed address or perhaps no bank account, getting the stimulus money can be a challenge, especially if they didn't file taxes last year. At a homeless encampment. And in Los Angeles, I met Jose Alvarez, who hasn't received any stimulus payments, although he's eligible.
4: I was working, and I got laid up and I didn't file for my income tax. But I worked previously before that, though. So I don't know if that's the situation. That's why I didn't get it or what. And I didn't know how I would go about uh, signing up for the stimulus checks.
3: So you didn't file last year? No, I didn't. And if you got the funds, I mean, would it have a big impact on your life? Very impact, yeah. Life-saving. And you could use it to do yeah. what?
1: Buy food, clothes,
3: your shelter, you huh? know? And can I assume nobody's come out here to talk to you about this? I mean, Nobody. nobody's approached Nobody. you from...
7: but You're the first person that approached me about this. You're the first.
4: Yes, sir.
3: Amber Murphy, who's also homeless, says it's difficult for people living on the streets to get information about stimulus checks and report problems getting them.
2: Most people are not getting their stimulus checks because we don't have access to internet, uh, electricity. Uh, Nobody's offering it to us. I mean, how are you supposed to do that stuff if you don't have access to electricity?
3: So what would be kind of easy for other people to do? It's a real challenge.
2: Yeah, it's it's a big challenge because, I mean, the library is not even open. Where are we supposed to go and do this stuff? And then if you hook up to somebody's electricity, they call the cops on you, so.
3: Earlier this week, the California Report reached out to the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, asking what officials are doing, if anything, to help qualified homeless people in L.A. get their payments. As of this morning, we haven't received an answer back.
4: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere.
3: As Republicans in many states work to enact tighter restrictions on voting, California lawmakers are going in the opposite direction. California could become the sixth state in the country to permanently send all voters a ballot in the mail for every election. Here's KQED Politics reporter Guy Marzarotti.
4: When lawmakers enacted universal vote by mail for the 2020 election, they said it would let Californians vote at home and avoid catching the coronavirus at the polls now they want to make the change permanent.
5: And the goal is just to make it easier for Californians to vote.
4: That's Bay Area Assemblyman Mark Berman, whose bill to send out ballots in all future elections gets its first hearing in the state assembly this morning.
5: Especially while we see so many efforts in other states to make it harder for people to vote. Let's have California be a real example. Uh, of what works well.
4: And universal vote-by-mail definitely worked well last year. If your goal was to increase voter participation, says Eric McGee with the Public Policy Institute of California. Most states in the U.S. saw a jump in voter turnout last year, but McGee found the biggest gains were made by states that mailed ballots to all voters by default. The most consistently positive effect um, that we find is mailing all voters a ballot. But Republican critics of the bill argue now that the health crisis is fading away, the all male election should go with it. And even supporters of Universal Vote by Mail admit it's not a recipe to increase turnout in all elections. Earlier this month, every voter in a San Diego assembly district was sent a ballot for a special election, and just 21 percent voted. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati.
3: And finally this morning... 10, move over nasa and spacex after years of talking about it california is going into orbit the state has announced that in cooperation with research organizations it will launch two satellites in 2023 to monitor pollutants that contribute to climate change specifically the satellites will locate and track sources of carbon dioxide and methane from places like oil fields and dairies 100 million dollars contributed from philanthropic groups will be used to help launch and maintain the Golden State satellites. Former Governor Jerry Brown has talked about California launching its own satellites going all the way back to the 1970s. And that's the California Report for Thursday, April 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: California Senator Scott Wiener's legislation, Senate Bill 519, which decriminalizes the possession and personal use of certain psychedelic drugs, passed the Senate Health Committee yesterday by a vote of 6-1. to It will now head to the Senate Appropriations Committee. The following substances are included in SB 519. Psilocybin, psilocin, MDMA, LSD, ketamine, DMT, mescaline, excluding peyote, and ibogaine. SB 519 also expunges any criminal records for people convicted of possession of personal use of these substances. This legislation follows similar successful efforts to decriminalize these substances in Washington, D.C., Oakland, and Santa Cruz, as well as the successful 2020 Oregon ballot measures that decriminalized personal use of all scheduled substances and authorized the creation of a state-licensed psilocybin services program over the next two years. Studies show that psychedelics show great promise in the treatment of mental health and substance use disorders. Taking a look at local weather, in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight, clear, with a low around 44. Tomorrow, sunny, with a high near 74. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, increasing clouds, with a low around 28. Tomorrow, cloudy through mid-morning, then gradually clearing, with a high near 55. And for the Valley, Woodland and Sacramento, tonight, clear, with a low around 46. Tomorrow will be sunny, with a high near 83. Here are Hospitality House's Needs for the Week, followed by Braveheart's.
5: Hi, I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. And the needs of the shelter for this week are PPE masks and gloves, blankets, twin size, new pillows, silverware, bottle water, hand warmers, travel bags and duffel bags, brushes, combs, and hair ties, toilet paper, paper towels, men's jeans sizes 30 to 36 women's jeans sizes 2 through 18 men and women's shorts medium to 3xl men and women's undershirts men and women's tank tops women's underwear sizes small medium and large men boxer briefs sizes medium to 2xl men pajama pants women's loungewear lightweight women's casual summer dresses women's and men's sandals sizes 9 to 12 men's tennis shoes sizes 9 to 12 women's tennis shoes sizes 7 through 9 ensure boost drinks for a guest undergoing chemo and radiation treatments please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's place located in Brunswick Basin past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley for a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help As such times uncertainty. In the words of you Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you.
1: Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts,
6: where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis.
1: We are your hosts, William Wallace
6: and Betty Louise,
1: and these are the Bravehearts.
6: I'm so excited to share an excerpt from a 2017 story from our very own Husky Le Pew at KVMR. His real name is Tony Beverly. And you are going to hear a very unique and vulnerable story of homelessness. This is part one.
1: Well, I grew up in Nevada since second grade. So gambling was natural. It was my environment. And when I became of age, I gambled and became a compulsive gambler. Forty-two years worth.
6: <laughs> well, when you were twenty-one, or is it eighteen?
1: The first time I gambled, I was nineteen, which was illegal. But I won ninety bucks and thought this is the easiest thing in the world. Ah. <laughs> so this probably was my downfall: was winning the first time I gambled. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it became a problem, and the unique thing about it is I only gamble when I actually live in Reno. I've lived in Denver, Seattle, Sacramento, L.A., and it was never a problem because you had to drive to a casino. Mm -hmm. But in Reno, or all of Nevada, you can gamble everywhere.
6: Coffee shops. Yeah,
1: coffee shops, gas stations, grocery stores, 7-Eleven, everywhere. And then plus the fact that if you want to eat really cheap, you go to a casino. You want to drink really cheap or see entertainment, you go to a casino. It's just natural. I've always thought it odd, I believe I mentioned this to you before, if you take ten high school students that have never drank and give each one of them a beer, which three are going to be alcoholics? There's no way to tell. And that's kind of how gambling hits me, at least that's the rational lies. Mm. (laughs) That's my rational lies. But anyway, Memorial Day weekend of 2015 after losing six family members three of which to breast cancer in like an 18 month period I imploded I went downhill depressed my mother had a reverse mortgage so we lost the house because I wasn't old enough to keep it and I sunk into very self-destructive behavior besides gambling and on Memorial Day weekend I lost over half of my Social Security check gambling and I just said, enough is enough. I have nobody left here in Reno anyway. So I just got a U-Haul and moved to Grass Valley that night.
7: Oh, my goodness.
1: And uh, I got here thinking it was similar to Reno where you can rent a weekly motel for about 140 bucks a week. And here it's closer to 300 Oh, boy. And I only had $300. So two nights in a motel, and then I ended up in hospitality house.
6: Wow. So I'm curious, like, do you have any more words you can put around, like, that moment when you said, I'm not staying here anymore, I'm out of here?
1: Well, I don't know. I guess when I look back on it anyway, after therapy, et cetera, et cetera, I think it was the fact that all my, uh, uh, the people that bailed me out, <laughs> mm. All the time, my mother, my sister, girlfriends, friends, my uncle. Everybody that I lost were my supporters. They always pulled my that chestnuts net. out of the fire, yeah, and they were gone. And when I lost, I had lost several checks before reaching this epiphany. But it was just like, Reno is too toxic for me. No reason to stay. I had one friend left and my little brother left. And I lost my mother, my sister... My niece, my best friend's wife, I was their godfather to their child. And then um, my uncle was going to move from San Francisco to the house to keep the house because my sister died before mom. And he died while he was packing to, <gasps> oh to, to move to Reno word. to keep the house. So It, it was just this cauldron of Loss. bad luck, bad decisions, depression, obsession, compulsion and a toxic environment, and it was just, I figured I was 57 years old, it's time to grow up.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, so you just overnight arrived in a new county, a new place, Why, why Grass Valley?
1: A former girlfriend and I lived here back in about eight years ago, and I loved it here. But she went abroad, she moved to Europe. So when she moved, I went back to Reno. So I was there. This time it was about three years before I destroyed my life and lost everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind.
6: This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org.
0: And now, an essay by Molly Fisk.
4: Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet Tonight
7: I'm going to read you half a poem. It was written last week by Bob Hickok, a writer I love, referring to Derek Chauvin's trial for the murder of George Floyd, something KVMR is covering, which is why this essay needs to be brief. You can find the whole poem at rattle.com. Meanwhile, one more innocent black man, Duante Wright, aged 20, father of one, has been killed by a white policewoman during a traffic stop. That she was a woman shifts the narrative only slightly. It's the same damn story. A Braid of Unknowing I Tie Before You by Bob Hickok Eight Minutes, Almost Nine I've been seeing a star to the east in the morning. It'll be hard not to give four or five students D's this semester. Are optimists fools? For eight minutes, almost nine, one man knelt on another man's neck. A star or planet, I don't know. Many have stopped turning in poems or coming to class, more than ever in my 20 years of teaching, during this third semester of COVID. Obviously, there are more problems than solutions, more poop than Shinola, a white cop kneeling on a black man's neck. I've been meaning to ask the internet what the light is so I can refer to it in the first person, dear Vega, dear Saturn, when I'm grateful for company from so far away. They expected to be going to parties and football games, to be drinking and dropping acid, to be rubbing against space and time. But the friction of bodies and growing older into adults has been replaced by fear of breathing in the wrong place at the wrong time. To think we can change or get better at changing our oil or not clear-cutting forests or listening to opinions we don't hold or sharing our wealth is insane in an evidence-based system of analysis, if you look at the data. If I remember back to five minutes ago when I scanned the headlines and Chicken Little was right— The sky is falling. How is it not murder, clearly and simply murder, to kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes, almost nine? And what happens? What rot overtakes our hearts when we can't admit this? Can't white admit to black, old to young, sane to the crazy world in which one man tries to justify, kneeling on another man's neck, after subdued, after compliant, after hearing him call for mama, and say 16 times that he can't breathe, that this is wrong, so obviously and clearly immoral, that we'll step from this cruelty in unison and cast it in steel and touch it every day for the rest of our lives to remind ourselves of what we'll never do again. Dear Vega, dear Saturn, tell me something I don't know about the universe.
0: That's our newscast for tonight, Thursday, April 15th, 2021. We get support from Chan Family Optometry. Vision Care team and Dr. Tiffany Chan provide general optometry services, testing, screening, and offering glasses, contacts, and LASIK located on Sierra College Drive in Grass Valley. Information, chanfamilyoptometry.com. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Money Matters with Mark Cuneberti is next, followed by Democracy Now! at 7 p.m. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening, and stay safe. <laughs>